Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. We're with Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman who played in a bowl game in Florida. One, I believe. One. Yeah, it was just only one. Bowl. Yep. Yeah, but he's got the MVP trophy to show for it. Where is it? Do you guys like pass it among yourselves, the uh, the offensive lineman from that team or what? Who's got it now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there are multiple trophies. And, uh, and, and here's a little known fact. They only gave that trophy to the starting five offensive linemen. And I technically didn't start that game. So around this room here, you can see behind me, I just have pictures of my my uh, my classmates and a couple line mates in my my championship rings there behind me, but uh, my helmet. But I do not have a copy of that that trophy. But I can tell you that Everett does, and it's somewhere in the South Florida compound down there in the Lower Keys, amongst all the other stuff. And um, you know, Tommy Doring got one, and I think Dingman and Scrap, all those guys got one of those those trophies. But it was a collective effort because I think every one of the offensive linemen played in that game up there in Jacksonville in 1990. And uh, it was a fun week. I was just reminiscing about the old bowl trips and which ones were fun and what we did. My kids were asking about it. And I said, the highlight the highlight of that week for me, looking back on it, obviously outside the football game, there were two things that happened. Uh, number one, we got to go visit and tour a, a, an active duty aircraft carrier at the uh, Naval base. And as a kid who grew up building models and loving airplanes and military jets, I just nerded totally out ballast. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life, uh, getting to tour that ship. Um, and people don't understand the uh, that haven't been up close to one, just how massive they are. So that was a really cool experience for me and several of my teammates. And then the second memory from that trip uh, off the field was uh, just being around Jacksonville and horsing around with my buddies. Uh, fellow linemen and uh, seeing the social side of Jacksonville, Florida for a week. And then, and then finishing that week out there at, uh, on the coastline, we moved out. We were in some uh, lake, our seaside resort. And um, after the game that night, I remember uh, several dudes in the middle of the night and one unnamed person at this time trying to surf on the uh, ironing board from the uh, hotel that we had taken out to the beach. And some, some guys, were, we were tearing it up, Alice. We had quite a it, trip down there. It had to be Steve Everett. I No, it, it was not Everett, although Everett was there. Um, yeah. But imagine imagine the good majority of the Michigan football team on the beach at about 3 o'clock in the morning, um, having a good time before it all came to a screeching halt. And you hit the reset button and you start over for the next season in about two weeks. But those end-of-season <laughs> celebrations after you win your final game, pretty big yeah and that was fun what a game uh, watching uh, if, if i had my way i'd get you a trophy you know i'll search some pawn shops down there and <laughs> yeah. see if, maybe if one of those guys maybe if one of those guys comes on hard times and trades that trophy and we'll get you one so yeah we'll, thanks we'll cross, <laughs> we'll cross our fingers and one of these guys was destitute so uh that was fun to watch though and um boy i'm excited for these guys they've been in this is the fourth orange bowl now i believe uh oklahoma in the 70s tom the tom brady game 
than the Florida State game a few years ago. This is the biggest, and uh, it's so oh, yeah. much on the line. And it's, I mean, you can feel it down here. It's a big deal. Now everybody's worried about COVID and, and you know things like that. But uh, the feeling when you walk into a building and you see Orange Bowl playoff, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. And last night we were actually going out uh, down to Hollywood, Florida. And this motorcade comes through and like eight or 10 motorcycles, cops on motorcycles and cars. And it's the Michigan team and buses and they're escorting them wherever they're going. And you're like, man, this is a, this is a big deal. So, but these kids have an opportunity here skiing to really have arguably the best season in modern day Michigan football. Now the 97 team will go down in infamy, obviously as the, the best at this point, because they won a national championship, but man, you want to talk about undisputed. If they were to beat Georgia and Alabama, there is no doubt that this would probably go down as the best Michigan football team in our, in our lifetimes. Uh, no doubt. There's ballast. There's no question about that. If they finish this thing off and knock off uh, whoever it is, these last two games, the, the game beyond it, Georgia, and then, either Cincinnati or Alabama, this will be the greatest Michigan team, certainly in our lifetime, and one of the greats ever. Going back in the entire history of the program, you'd have to put these guys and all these players that have made it happen right up there with all the names of all time. And, um, boy, we tried when we were there. And I, but I can tell you how special that would be uh, for a lifetime ticket to walking around, a little proud, Little, uh, little, not so little, but uh, an more enormous sense of accomplishment that these guys will feel if they're able to finish this off. And they're going to have an enormous sense of accomplishment anyway. They are the Big Ten, outright Big Ten champions. They've had a great season. Uh, now it's time to take it to a new height, uh, which will cement them in the history of, of college football and the Michigan football program that will never be forgotten. You think people are overlooking this team? I've watched these guys and what they've done in these last two games against Ohio State with their athletes, uh, and they've showed some vulnerability on defense this year, let's be honest. But then Iowa, and teams don't do that to Iowa. What Michigan did, put 42 points up on them, 42-3 uh, to three win. That doesn't happen very often. To me, this Michigan team as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, and I get how good Georgia's defense is, but, man, these two programs kind of seem to mirror each other, and this is not – your typical, okay, lumbering, fat, slow Michigan Big Ten football team, as some would call it, you know, playing Northern football, Big Ten football. To me, this is a much closer matchup than people seem to be giving it credence. Well, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder how much of the of the SEC football culture has to do with the line and certainly the build up to the game. As I've talked about, you and I've talked about, and I mentioned it on on Simon Bill Simonson's show. Um, I really believe that folks in the South uh, don't even think we play serious football up here in the Midwest and the Big Ten. And that goes for Ohio State, Penn State, the whole Big Ten. The SEC in general kind of laughs at the Big Ten, doesn't take us serious um, just from a perspective of the average football fan down South. And I'm, I'm wondering how much of that bleeds into the sports writing world in the South. Um, the SEC arrogance is a real thing. Uh, I've seen it firsthand in person in a very anecdotal way, very small one-on-one -on -one person, uh, ex personal experience a couple of years ago uh, when some Georgia fans uh, had asked if Michigan football was Division I football. They, they, they thought we were playing like Division II, some kind of cute little football league up, up here. And, and they weren't joking around when, they, when this woman asked me that question about my experience of playing at Michigan. It was just a personal conversation. But uh, in, in, and I think it goes into the bigger picture of things. The 
the sports writers, you go back to the Heisman Trophy thing, you know, we were happy as heck that, that Aiden Hutchinson was in that conversation. But for a, for a player from the Big Ten to win a trophy like that, you have to have a certain percentage of the sports writers from the South. You're never going to get that unless you are just overwhelmingly dominating the best player in the entire country. So it was kind of obvious that the kid from uh, Alabama was going to win that thing, and, and rightfully so. He's a heck of a great player. Uh, but again, the overall perspective, and I think some of the some of the feeling of Michigan being undercounted and maybe underscored here in this game, um, doesn't surprise me a whole lot, Ballas. And yep. uh, and 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 I think that plays into our favor. Uh, certainly, if I were on this team, I would be using that as juice uh, for Friday night. Uh, to go out there and prove the whole south part of the United States that we do play serious football in the Big Ten here, that Michigan, Ohio State, and the others uh, are not Division II football. Yeah. We were talking earlier about the preparation for this game, and these kids seem really locked in. And it goes back – I'll go back to when Jim Harbaugh first got here and they played in the Capital One Bowl against Florida in his first bowl game. And quietly, a lot of these kids behind the scenes were saying, man, isn't this supposed to be a little bit of fun here? And they were getting worked like crazy. And Harbaugh really wanted to win that game. And of course, they hammered Florida. I think it was 41 to seven. And then afterwards, everybody was thrilled. And as I wrote today, you know, winning is pretty much the cure for everything. And, uh, and there's nothing better than winning. So um, when you guys played Washington the first time, you played Washington in back-to-back Rose Bowls, huge difference, clearly. Uh, number one, it seemed like the preparation before the big one, when they kicked your butts with Steve Entman and those guys, was a little bit different. It seemed like you guys were a little bit fat and happy, literally and figuratively speaking. And then the following year, took a little bit more seriously. Is that a real thing? Yo, that was real. Uh, back mm-hmm. to the early 90s there, that first Rose Bowl the ninety the ninety two Rose Bowl January first against Washington was undefeated. Uh, I think we were all 10, 15 pounds heavy on the offensive line up front. We were not we were not ready to play that game physically like we should have been. And and the year after we we showed up many, many of us at our playing weights and we started the season off. We were we were definitely focused more and, and getting smacked by uh, an opponent in the Rose Bowl and being disappointed in front of a national TV audience can do that to you. And so that was our motivation then. Uh, I don't have any doubts um, in my mind for this this Michigan football team and their preparation down there. You know, things are so much different now, Ballas, than they were 25, 30 years ago in the playoff structure that we have now. So I, I would be shocked. I really, really would be shocked and, and surprised and disappointed if Michigan showed up fat and slow and not ready to play this game. I just don't think that's going to happen. It seems like this football team here, Michigan, has been playing with a chip on its shoulder to prove everybody wrong all year long, and here's another chance to do so. So I expect the Michigan football team to take the field uh, in this game against Georgia, looking ready to play and go out and execute and do what they know they can do. Yeah, it's interesting where they are now. People are talking to us like, well, you owe Jim Harbaugh an apology and so on and so forth. And you picked them to be seven and five and you've been too hard on him. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know what? Expectations, as you've always said, are are to compete for and win the championships. And we gave him his due. 2016 could have gone either way, right? A better call here or there. We gave him his due for that. Uh, At the same time, last year was uh, an abomination, and I think he would be the first one to admit it, the culture and everything else. Two things. Number one, how quickly he turned it around. Number two, how he looked to be the old Jim Harbaugh again 
and we wrote and we talked about that. That's where it begins. So no, we're not apologizing. At least I'm not. But to me, with Jim Harbaugh, that's where this whole thing really, the turnaround began. Am I right? Oh, no doubt about it, Ballas. And, and you and I have talked about this really since really kind of October. And the month of September, we kind of watched this and went, okay, maybe, maybe this is different. Maybe this team is, as they claimed they were, were going to be back to the wintertime, that maybe this team is different. By the middle of the year, we, we, you and I had both said, okay, this team is different, but we still need to see the performance through the end of the season before we start drinking any blue Kool-Aid because we had been burned so many times by drinking that Kool-Aid too early. And so we've been praising Jim Harbaugh, and you and I have been talking about this uh, on this podcast all season long here since the middle of the road and through the, and through the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh deserves all the credit he is due, and you and I have been issuing that this season, certainly as the, as the trophy was hoisted for the changes that he made to himself personally, the way he approached it and his assistant coaches and the way he's found a way to motivate this team and put together the special recipe that produces championship trophies. And that's exactly what he's done. The flip side of that, last year was terrible. The team sucked. They quit in games and they looked horrible. And yeah, when you're the head football coach of any program, you get to own that too. And mm-hmm. so old players like me and, and guys like you that write about the program, that watch this stuff, and we can compare the good, the bad, and the ugly seasons. Last year was really, really bad by Michigan yep. standards. And the year before that, when we got thumped by Ohio State and it wasn't even close, he gets to own that too. And the year before that, when he got thumped by Ohio State, he got to own that too. That's just part of the deal. But the flip side is in this season – that he gets to own all the positives too. And this is the great part about being a former player and a Michigan fan nowadays is that you see the team performing to the way we all expected it to be. We've known that Jim Harbaugh has had uh, NFL talent on these teams because we see how many guys go off into the league and, and do very, very well. We can go right down the list. The yep. frustration was how is, how is it possible that you have all this football talent, but you can't put it together to become competitive and win a Big Ten championship. That's where the frustration was mounting through last year, coming into this year. And this year, the pieces fall together. The coaches come together. You make some changes. You've got schematic differences on the field. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're a Big Ten champion. And, yes, now I'm going to look at you and I'm going to take my hat off and say, that's a hell of a job, Coach Harbaugh. Way to go. I'll support you all the way. Keep doing it because this is a lot of fun to watch. And that's the key is keeping doing it. And I wrote an article, is this 1964 or is this 1969? And you're familiar with Michigan history. 64, they hadn't won a, a Big Ten championship in 13 years. And you had a group of seniors that said enough is enough. Bob Timberlake and those guys. And they said, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to play Michigan football. And we, we're tired of losing, right? So they win a championship. Over the next three years, the program goes 500. Now, 1969 comes along. You beat Ohio State. You're on top of the world. Feels like this year, right? Uh, the key is sustaining it. It's You're going to lose some leaders. You're going to lose Aiden Hutchinson. You're probably going to lose David Ojabo. You're going to lose Josh Ross, guys that really helped turn this thing around. So it's not just about a one-year thing. This is about sustaining and keeping this thing going and winning championships. Well, Ballas, that was always a special recipe for all those decades where we were winning Big Ten championships is as the, as the players that were leaders and as those captains left the program to go on and chase NFL dreams, they graduated and moved on with life, whatever the, whatever the case was, 
we all kind of looked around that locker room and said, okay, I have to do more now for this, for this team. I have to maybe say a few more things. I have to hold myself a little more accountable because there's no more superstar All-American leader at my position group or anywhere else. That guy that needs to be the superstar All-Big Ten or All-American needs to be me. And that's how the program survived and won championships for many, many years. And you can see the same things happening in the last five, ten years in other football programs around the country. When you mix in high-level talent, you're bringing in super talented guys out of high school, and you're developing their skills, the programs that really have the special sauce, they don't fall off. And we can name them. They're obvious. Yep. And so Michigan has ascended itself now in this season into that company. And now this offseason with next year's team, they get the challenge of trying to figure that out. And you look around the room and it starts in January and you say, okay, we're not falling off. We really enjoy being here on top. We like going to the playoff. We like getting, you know, big 10 championship rings, re, you know, the real championship ring. We like getting our picture on the wall at Schumbeckler Hall. And, Hey, I really enjoyed being there and, and having my picture taken as a big 10 champion. And so you don't want to disappoint yourself and your teammates because when it's your turn to be a last year guy, whether you're a fourth year guy or a fifth year guy, it doesn't matter. Your last year, you never want to go out as a loser. And that motivated a lot of teams for a lot of years at Michigan. And let's hope that this team starts the same thing for teams to come. Yeah, that's got to be it. And I feel really good about it because you got Cade McNamara, who has been an outstanding leader, even if he's not a captain. People overlook the fact that this is his first year as a starter. What a job he's done. Don't care what anybody says about J.J. McCarthy and, you know, we need a bigger arm, so on and so forth. Ronnie Bell coming back, I think, is going to be huge. He's been a great captain, even though he was hurt at the beginning of the year. And he was one of those guys that was talking. I was listening to one of his podcasts, and he said, man, there was something different in the spring, and we set the tone, and, you know, we, we had a couple guys, and we just started jumping up and down, and everybody, after the first practice, started jumping up and down, and we looked at each other and said we knew we had something. So those guys have lived it, and that makes me feel a little bit better. The defense is where it's, it's going to be where it's at, but I love what I've seen from Mike McDonald. I think he's going to be able to put good defenses together. Now, we've seen guys like Jim Herman, Ron English, Don Brown in their first years have outstanding years. You know, and then gradually it tails off a little bit. You're not expecting him to be perfect, but I love the variety in his defense, so I'm excited about that. Last thing I want to ask you, uh, the job that Sharon Moore did with this offensive line, what did you like best about that group this year? Well, I, there's so many things to talk about with what the job Coach Coach Moore has done. Uh, pass protection, um, you know, the strong points were, I think, I think our tackles did really well this year. Stuber over there at right tackle. I think Andrew Vistardis, uh, the season he had was just off the charts good. But really, Sharon Moore, remember, Bowers, we had, we had injured guards through about the whole season. And Chuck Filiaga filled in well in there. And there was a rotation. And there was some different guys starting and some, some things that happened in there. And, and throughout all of it, that, that offensive line just kept getting better and better and better. And so – you know, the, the missed assignments uh, from the offensive line were minimal this year, which means the guys were comfortable with what they were supposed to be doing. But as the season wore on, and especially, you know, with it, the way it finished in those last two games uh, against Ohio State and Iowa, uh, it always warms my heart to see guys down the field, driving guys into the ground, imposing their will upon people. And that is coaching. And you have to practice that to go out and do it on Saturdays. And so 
for a first-year offensive line coach, Sharon Moore, to come in and step in, take over a pretty talented group of guys, but a couple question marks at the same time. I don't know how he could have done a better job, Ballas. The only the only critique we talked about all year long was every once in a while we had a leaker on some twist games against that mm-hmm. offensive line. But generally speaking, that was a pretty clean football season out of that group. And yeah. Sharon Moore deserves all the credit that he has gotten here for the production of that of that unit, protecting those quarterbacks, creating some space for those linemen, you know, the combination blocks and including the tight ends and being able to get up and swallow up linebackers. Uh, they did a really, really nice job, and obviously, you and I watch it very closely. I watch it very, very closely. Um, it's just it, it was a, it was a, certainly a pleasant surprise because, admittedly, I had questions coming into this season about how good this offensive line was going to be with a guy who had never coached the group before. And so, again, if I had a hat on, I would take it off and say, "That's a heck of a job, Coach Moore." And now we just got to keep it going. But it's a great way to start off. Warms the cockles of your heart, as Jim Harbaugh would say. So I got <laughs> yes, Michigan losing does. a tight one to Georgia. I, I got Michigan losing a tight one to Georgia, Skeen. I, I've been off three or four times this year. I don't know. I think they can certainly win this game. Uh, I think Georgia's going to be the toughest defense they've faced. It could go either way. Uh, for some reason, my gut's telling me a, a tight loss. You're, real quick, your prediction? Uh, I'm the opposite, Ballas. I think this team's okay. got something going. I think they've got uh, why not us attitude. No one, no one is really expecting them to win. And throughout the course of this season, uh, going back to the beginning, I, I circled them some some losses, and they proved me wrong all year long. I'm not going to go down that path again. I think Michigan wins a tight one, one a one possession victory for Michigan, and we go on and play for a national championship. There it is, folks. Doug Skeen does not hate Michigan, and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> unbelievable. So, Skeen, you've done a great job all year long. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you after the game and uh, do our recap and our breakdown, but really appreciate your time. Hey, Happy New Year, Ballas. Everybody be safe and go blue. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.